Morning, everybody. It's Brian Nemhauser coming at you with another podcast on day three of the Camp Countdown. Uh, we've got Seahawks heading to training camp on Friday, July 31st, 10 a.m. Hope to see you there. And uh, we've so far covered, let's see, we've covered. Defensive line, defensive ends, and defensive tackles. We've covered interior offensive linemen, our guards, and our centers. We've covered wide receivers. Now, what we're going to cover today is uh, runners and tacklers. Let's talk about the running backs, the fullbacks. Let's talk about the linebackers. And there's a lot to talk about there. So let's get right to it. Before I do, uh, another plug to check me out on Twitter if you don't already, at HawkBlogger, slash slash HawkBlogger on Facebook. And now uh, look for me on Periscope at, uh, well, I don't know how you find me on Periscope other than downloading the app and looking up HawkBlogger, but um, I will be putting a lot of good information up there over the next few weeks. Also, programming note, I am in the process of probably changing my iTunes subscriber feed for this podcast, and uh, keep an eye out. I will try to make it very seamless as possible. I'm doing a lot of research to make it easy for all of you, but I'm guessing it won't be, and it'll be a little clumsy, because I do this in my spare time, so forgive any bumps along the way, but keep an eye out. I will add information to the blog and give you all the information you need to keep subscribing, keep listening to whatever I can uh, come up with to put on this podcast. All right, let's get to it. So I want to talk about runners. Let's talk about runners first, and then we're going to talk about running backs and fullbacks in that conversation. So Marshawn Lynch He'll be there. We know that. That's not a question, which is a nice thing. We also know that he's under a new deal. There is He's happy about the money he's been given. What we don't know is just how much he wanted to come back. And let me explain what I mean there. When you look at what the rumors were immediately after the Super Bowl... Try to think back to that. It was obviously concern about the Seahawks play call and the fact that Marshawn Lynch didn't get the ball. There was a decent amount of turmoil, I guess you could call it, in the locker room coming out through various news outlets. And a lot of folks thought there was a conspiracy that the coaches wanted Russell Wilson to win the MVP, and that's why they had the play call to throw it as opposed to handing it off to Marshawn. Now put yourself in Marshawn's shoes. I'm sure I'm not, I would not think that he's at the center of those rumors, but 
we've seen in the past, we've seen it in Arizona, we've seen it in other places where he has made it very clear that he does not like some of Daryl Bevel's play calling decisions. We've seen him flip off Daryl Bevel on the field when he called a, a pass instead of a run. And th- those are in red zone situations. So it's pretty clear that, that Marshawn Lynch expects to get the ball in those situations, wants the ball in those situations, and it very just scored. I mean, very nearly just scored um, on the, the previous play. So he said everything right after that Super Bowl. He supported the fact that he plays a team game. And for a guy that doesn't talk much, I think he said volumes by coming out and supporting the coaches and the decision that was made there. But we also know that he was very seriously contemplating retirement. And I don't think it was because of the play call, but I do think he is battling chronic lower back issues. I think the guy runs like a madman. We all know that. And he he walks to the beat of his, his own drummer, as they say. So... This is a player who probably was ready to hang it up, or at least was strongly considering that. And the Seahawks really enticed him back with a contract. And one of the interesting, I thought, maybe it's reading too much into it, but that's what we get to do here. There was a a show that he did. It was a fun thing. It was nothing serious. It was uh, called Tanked. Uh, It was on like Discovery Channel or something. And it was about a place that does all these custom aquariums, and they did one for Marshawn, and he was all over that episode. It's just you know you got to see and hear more from Marshawn in that episode than you typically do in a whole football season. And the guys, one of the guys, didn't know anything about football, and he was asking him questions, and it came up about his potential retirement and that he was thinking about retiring, and Marshawn said. Yeah, I was pretty happy, but they offered me 12 large and, you know, hard to turn down 12 large, something along those lines. And so what I saw as he said that, or at least what I heard was he come, he's coming back for the money. And I think that's a little different than, than coming back to be the best player or because he can't help but stay, you know, help, he can't help himself. Um, he has to be part of the game. He can't stay away from it. And maybe that's partially true as well. But it'll be interesting to see. Here's Marshawn, 29 years old, coming back because the Seahawks gave him a very large offer. Is he going to run the same way? Now, I, I think that I think that he likely will, but... We won't really know until we see him during the season. And it might be little things. It might be if he gets injured, is he going to be as motivated to play through it? Or is he going to be more interested in taking time off? He's never shown any inclination to take time off. He's only missed one game with the Seahawks. But that's going to be something to watch. And so as we get into camp, we're going to kind of see if there's any differences in his demeanor uh, the way he's, is he having fun? Is he still playing around? Is he doing what he's asked? Um, I think all those things are likely, but that's something to pay attention to there. The real story, the more likely story to follow around the running backs is going to be Kristen Michael. And we've talked about him here plenty. 
he's a guy that I continue to believe is probably the most talented physical physically of the group that probably includes Marshawn. Now that sounds crazy. Marshawn was a first round pick. He's been, he's arguably the best running back in football right now. Christian Michael has physical gifts that very few athletes do. He is in the Adrian Peterson range in terms of his spark score, running, jumping, strength, agility, you know, all is, is pretty off the charts. You, you may be surprised to hear that Christian Michael's actually larger than Marshawn Lynch. He is significantly faster than Marshawn Lynch, and he's roughly the same height. He's actually a, a, an inch shorter. So he's packing a lot into a small package, and there's never really been much doubt about his ability to run the football. The doubt's been about his ability to fit within this scheme and do what Tom Cable wants him to do. And other questions are, does he stay on the field? Does he get injured? Is he durable enough? And secondarily, can he hold on to the football? He has fumbling issues. I saw this in his very first training camp in little things. Like, he would complete these runs. He would break out and be running down the field. And a defender would come up behind him and chase him down or toward the end of his run, punch the football out from behind. And they do this to everybody, but he wasn't holding onto the ball. (laughs) A lot of the other guys end up holding onto the ball when they're punching at it. It was popping out a few times. So we've seen that actually come to fruition in, in games. In the few carries he's had, he's, he has had some fumble, fumbling issues. He had some last year, and this is a guy that should be on the field. He should be contributing to the Seahawks. If they can find a way for Ricardo Lockett to contribute, if they can find a way for Brian Walters to contribute, if they can find a way for, oh gosh, um, I'm thinking about the (laughs) <laughs> think about a receiver back in 2010 that I can't come up with. I'm going to look him up because it's bugging me. But um, this is a team and a coaching staff that knows how to get the most out of the talents, even if it's a slim or unique talent that someone has, they find a way to get them on the field. And this is a player who has a ton of talent. God-given talent, and it would be disappointing if they couldn't find a way to make him a more a larger part of the game. Ruvel, Ruvel Martin, that was the name that was coming to mind. They found a way to involve Ruvel Martin uh, in the passing game, so I think that they can figure out a way to take advantage of Kristen Michael. And most people, I think players and coaches and press and fans are probably pointing to Kristen Michael. It's on his shoulders to figure it out. I think that's largely true, but I also point the finger back to Tom Cable. He has talent in that room. I think Tom Cable, for all the things that are great about him, and there are a lot of things that are great about Tom Cable, he is pig-headed. I don't think anyone would argue that. I don't think he would argue that. He knows the system he wants to run. He wants it done his way. He has a general disdain for running backs. I've heard 
podcasts. I've, no, podcast is not the right term in this case, but I've listened to podcasts of radio shows and interviews of him where he talks about running backs and essentially says, I don't care who's back there. I'm not interested in what their number is, what they what they can do. I'm interested in them being in the right place at the time I tell them to be there and to hit the hole the way I ask them to. And so if if you're going to have a player like Kristen Michael who wants to improvise, and originally people forget, but Marshawn Lynch was the same way. When Marshawn Lynch came in, he struggled. He was three yards a carry, and it, it required Marshawn coming to Tom Cable hat in hand and saying, all right, what do I need to do? Tom Cable tells that story very proudly. It's almost like he broke him and then built, started building him back up, and Marshawn's had success. That was pre the Dallas game, I believe, back in 2011. And so I think Kristen Michael's in a similar spot. I think he's got to put his pride aside. He's got to, you know, hat in hand to Tom Cable and get himself on the field. But also Tom Cable, for God's sakes, you know, the right thing for your team is to optimize and amplify all the talent that you have. And you've got some in Kristen Michael. So let's see most job number one for Kristen Michael is get on the field, stay on the field. If you're number three running back, if you're number four running back, if you're number two, if you're number one, get on the field, stay on the field. Job number two is play hard, hit the holes, you know, go, go to the meetings on time, be where you're supposed to be, um, you know, essentially cut out any mental errors that, that are going on. And job three is hold on to the football. That's going to be a key thing. We're, we're going to also look at Robert Turbin. Robert Turbin's had a hip surgery. He's on the last year of his deal. Christian Michael has this year and one more year on his rookie contract. So he's got one more year of club control. Uh, I think people that are writing him off and saying that he should be off the roster if some of these other guys step up, I think are are ignoring the fact that he's got one more year on a deal and was drafted in the second round and clearly has talent. So yes, is it possible he could be off the roster? Sure, it's possible he could be off the roster. I don't think it's likely. As far as Robert Turman goes and his injury, we'll see if he's actually there for the first day of camp. The word is he's supposed to be. This is a guy who had a nice year last year. I thought he played well. I didn't think he was fantastic, but I think he played well given his chances, and he ran harder than I've given him credit for in the past. Uh, you know, this is a guy that I used to feel, for as big as he is, he's he's you know essentially two hundred and twenty-five pounds or around there, and has those bulging forearms. He just goes down on contact pretty easily, but he ran pretty hard last year, so that that was good. Um, I think he's a, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's a willing blocker, and he certainly does what Tom Cable wants. He's very coachable, um, and that's that's his advantage right now. He's certainly not a better runner than Kristen Michael. He's not a better athlete. He's not under club control for as long. This is almost certainly his last year with the Seahawks, but he'll probably be ahead of Michael on the depth chart because he listens, <laughs> because he's coachable. So... We'll see if he's there. We'll see where he is in the depth chart. Assume that he's going to be number two. Assume that Michael's going to be number three. And keep in mind, last year, Marshawn Lynch was 
out for a little while and didn't practice for some period of time and they were just taking it very easy with him, I think they'll do the same thing. But what that did is it gave the other guys a lot more snaps. Here's a situation where if he's around and if he's getting snaps, that's going to push other guys down the list. So there's not a lot of snaps once you get past, you know, even the third string uh, doesn't get a ton of snaps. So if those are the three guys in there, then it's also going to be really hard for guys like Thomas Rawls, who is getting a lot of mentions. Um, guys like Rod Smith, who are also getting a, a fair amount of mentions um, to, to really get their chances. It's interesting. I'm not seeing at the moment. There we go. Never mind. Yeah. Um, so Rod Smith is is a different physical specimen than the rest of the bunch. This guy's six foot three, two hundred and thirty-one pounds. He's a rookie at Ohio State. Physical runner. You've got Thomas Rawls, who's five nine, so shortest of the bunch, two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's only twenty-one, which I think is an advantage in the sense that more likely to stick on the practice squad as a developmental player. And the coaching staff's come out and said they like him. Now, my read of that is the coaching staff does that often when they're trying to motivate another player. We've seen them do that before. Uh, Pete Carroll talked about how guys were stepping up in the three-technique battle back in 2013 when Tony McDaniel was out injured a lot. I think that was clearly sending a message to Tony McDaniel that if you don't get on the field, you're not going to make the team. And... Lo and behold, Tony McDaniel got on the field, played really well, and has been the starting three tech since. So I think that they're sending a message, and I think they might choose to send a message to Kristen Michael by maybe Thomas Rawls is ahead of him on the depth chart. I'd actually love to see that because I think it would force Kristen Michael to face the music and decide, is he going to nut up or shut up? Um, I think that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to see psychologically how they play that out. Now, with Rawls and Smith, realistically, it's just impossible, even with pads, to see what running backs look like in training camp. I think that there's some things you can tell just about their burst, about what kind of lateral agility they have, how do they get through the line, things like that. But, you know, you're not facing real tacklers, so it's hard until you get into a preseason game to really judge that. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what they look like. We'll see really where they are in the depth chart, that'll tell us a lot. Now shifting to fullbacks, interesting group there. You've got Derek Coleman, who is the special teams captain, essentially. And you've got Brandon Cottom, who is a big old boy out of uh, Purdue, 6'2", 262 pounds, 22 years old. And you've got Will Tukuafu, who's an even bigger boy at six foot two, 280 pounds. Now he's 31. So, you know, obviously a veteran of the league has also played defensive line for them. And I just have a hard time seeing how this goes anyway, but Derek Coleman earning the spot. He's core special teams. He's a key part of how they play special teams. He's a good fullback. I don't think he's fantastic. Uh, I think Tukuafu is a better lead blocker in many cases. Um, but Tukuafu is not going to be the same special teams contributor that Derek Coleman is. You certainly don't keep two fullbacks. That doesn't make any sense. Cottom's a guy that could make the practice squad. But I don't see where Will Tukuafu makes this team. 
come the cutdown. So we'll we'll see how they rotate those guys, if he's getting snaps, where he's getting snaps, and so forth. So those are your runners. Let's shift over to the other side of the ball and talk about the guys that try to tackle him, uh, the linebackers. And we're in a situation now where we've got the three starting linebackers are actually, I would say, in the best shape of any unit on defense. And I mean that holistically. You've got two, well, you've got one of the linebackers in KJ Wright that just signed an extension. You have another linebacker in Bobby Wagner who's actively working on an extension and likely is going to get one. And then you've got Bruce Irvin in his contract year. You've got Irvin, who's 27 years old. You've got Bobby Wagner, who's 25. You've got KJ Wright, who's 26. These are guys in the prime of their career, the pr physical prime. And we're looking at a group that's been together now for three years. This will be the third year. And they, they know each other. They know how to play together. They are, at least in, in Bobby Wagner's case, all pro quality player. KJ Wright's a guy that I've always thought had Pro Bowl talent, has never put it together into a season to have enough impact plays. The coaching staff obviously loves him. They prioritized him and they extended him. I look at him and say, I want more. I want more impact plays. I want more hands on the ball. I want more fumbles. I want more tackles, sacks, something. Um, I want a little bit more in terms of what I consider impact plays, tackles for loss, whatever it is. I want to see KJ Wright impacting the game a little bit more than he does right now. Right now, I think he's just a very good overall linebacker, all-around linebacker, coverage, tackling, uh, knowing where he's supposed to be. Wagner's set to hopefully have his best season. He will be healthy. He will likely be the owner of a new contract. He reached his all-pro level last year and should have nothing but confidence coming in so this is a chance for him to really assert himself. Maybe he shocks everybody. Maybe this year he is the best player on that defense. Nobody's talked about that, but it's possible. He's a guy that can pile up tackles, can sack the quarterback, can you know intercept the ball in coverage. He's, he's a really, really good player. And on another team, he would be a featured player. On this team, linebackers get lost. So it will be interesting to see if Bobby Wagner is, you know, makes, picks up some of the slack that maybe we'll see in the secondary if there's injuries or, or any drop-off in play on, on any other parts of the defense. Can Bobby Wagner step forward? Now, Bruce Irvin talked about him a little bit yesterday on the last podcast. He's a guy who clearly, you know, is known primarily as a pass rusher, but has been a great Sam linebacker, sets the edge, has great strength, great length, and great speed. So he's a guy who uh, will come in, I think, be a big part of the defense, as he always is, and we'll look to see, you know, are they, is there any change in how they're using him? Uh, I don't expect there to be a lot, but um, it's something to pay attention to. be curious to see if he gets any snaps at Leo. Um, as a you know starting Leo kind of thing, like I'm still kind of curious to see if if Cliff Averill was to ever go out, who would be the the backup Leo? I have my own guesses, and 
frankly, I think it would be Michael Bennett, which is not what most people would guess. I think it would be Michael Bennett. I think they'd bring someone else into the five tech, but that's an interesting one. I kind of wonder if most people think this is Bruce Irvin's last year with the Seahawks. I wrote recently that there's, there's actually a path to where he stays and the path to where he stays is if he outperforms Cliff Averill as a pass rusher, which by the way, from a sack perspective, he did last year. He was second on the team in sacks. I believe he had six and a half. Cliff Averill had five. Uh, Bruce Irvin's younger than Cliff Averill. Uh, Cliff Averill, you know, they could cut him next year and save, I believe, five million in, in cap space. And then you've got Bruce Irvin, who is in the last year of his deal and should they decide they could say hey let's let's actually give that money to the younger pass rusher who's our sam linebacker and either place him at leo or adjust the the team accordingly so if cliff averill let's say his five sacks last year was an indication of you know a downturn in his productivity then you could see a situation where they let averill walk and they re-sign irvin and I think that they've got to see how the season plays out in order to make that decision. But I think they've set themselves up to make that call if that's what they want to do. Now, whether Irvin will want to do that, another another question entirely. He That bridge may be burned. He may want out at this point. But that's that's a path to where he could stick around. So I don't see him as a dead man walking on this team, at least not yet. Now, from there, we get into some interesting players. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is the first one that comes to mind. Guy that that the area scout that that helped the Seahawks select him compared him to none other than Navarro Bowman. Not easy for, for anyone to live up to that comparison, especially a, a mid-round pick. But Pierre-Lewis showed great speed. The question with him is going to be durability at that size. He's, you know, comes in at 236. And... That's re- relatively light uh, for for a linebacker, and he did not stay healthy, and that's going to be the key question: Can he stay on the field? Can he be a, a special teams contributor? That's something that a guy of his athletic ability should absolutely be a great special teams competitor. But finding a way to take advantage of his speed, and by the way, they've got a new linebacker coach. They've got two. They've got uh, Lofa Tatupu who steps in. And they've got Michael Barrow. We're going to see how they utilize some of these new players. And do they have a different take on things than Ken Norton Jr. did? I'm curious to see. I, I, I have a lot of optimism about Lofa Tatupu as a linebacker coach. I think he is he understands the game in a unique way. And I think he understands playing linebackers clearly in a very unique way. For someone to be a Pro Bowl player with his lack of physical uh, talent, really shows how much of a leader and how much of a student of the game that he was. So I want to see how that translates into small conversations and observations about these players that can help them grow and see how they use utilize players maybe a little differently. The other interesting player here on the linebacker side is Eric Pinkins. He is listed now as a linebacker on the roster. He's six foot three. He's 230 pounds. He's even lighter than Kevin Pierre-Lewis. 23 years old, was drafted to be a cornerback, played safety in college, and now is going to be tried out at linebacker. I think largely they're looking at him as a coverage linebacker. Uh, 
he is supposedly a fantastic special teams player. I'm going to be watching to see where he is on the special teams depth chart. That'll give you a lot of indication of how serious they are about keeping him around. And then going to be curious to see what he looks like utilizing that speed. Is he a blitzer? Can he? Does he get lost in in the swarm, in the running plays? Can he get off blocks? These are going to be the things that really determine whether this is an experiment that has potential or whether it's it's just a, another Hail Mary to see if they can find a place for a good athlete to fit within the roster. So Pinkins is number 39 wearing Brandon Browner's old number, so he should stick out in, from the crowd. Brock Coyle's a guy, number 52, inside linebacker. Six foot one, 243 pounds. Obviously, his second year was one of the undrafted free agent signings um, that, that made the roster last year. And Coyle, I liked him early on. Hits hard, hard-nosed player. I think there's questions a little bit about where he is in coverage. Uh, you know, I want to see where he is special teams-wise. He should likely make the roster. He's the backup middle linebacker. But I think he'll see a little bit of competition from Quayshon Neely, who is an undrafted free agent they signed, six foot one, two hundred and thirty-five pounds out of Georgia Tech. He's also an inside linebacker. And we'll see how he fits into the game. You know, he's a little lighter than Coyle, but has experience playing inside linebacker at a large school and and will at least get some opportunity to push Coyle for, for snaps. So Quayshawn Neely is number 43, by the way. And then you've got a few other guys that are on there. So you've got uh, Tyrell Adams, who's six foot two, 228 pounds out of West Georgia. He's an undrafted rookie free agent. You've got Alex Singleton, who's six foot two, 242 pounds. He's 21. He's out of Montana State. And with, with both of those guys, um, you know, with Singleton, he's a little bit more interesting. Six foot two, 242 that puts him up in the range of, of a little bit, you know, like a KJ Wright type. Being 21 years old, that's always interesting, a little bit younger, a little bit more time to develop. See where he does, how he fits in on special teams. Again, for linebackers, if you want to make the team as, a, as an undrafted free agent, you better be great on special teams. If you're just a great linebacker, it's hard because you can pretty much find great linebackers every year. So i uh, be curious to see where these guys fit on special teams, where they're playing on Sam or Will. I want to see with Kevin Pierre-Lewis, for example, I've heard reports that he's playing Sam. That'd be disappointing to me. I would hope that he'd get some snaps at Will. I think that's his more natural position. That's where you get to play in space a little bit more as opposed to being on the line. I think Sam linebackers in this defense are asked to set the edge. And I just don't know that you know being physical and setting the edge the way Bruce Irvin does is really the way Kevin Pierre-Lewis is built to play. Now, Malcolm Smith played Sam as well at times. Again, Will was his best position. That's where he was most productive. But he did it. Um, I think he even might have been playing that role in the Super Bowl uh, when he, ma he made the interception uh, back in 2013. So, well, technically 2014, but you know what I mean. So, interesting linebacker group. I think... You're going to be looking for guys that can step forward. The only guy I haven't mentioned yet is, is Mike Morgan. 
Um, we know Mike Morgan. He's 27. He's been around. He has made the team based off being a special teams guy. And then they basically looked at his his flexibility in other positions. He's played some Leo as a pass rusher. He's played multiple linebacker spots. They've never really had to lean on him. And when they have, he hasn't been great. So this is a guy that I, I mean, I've always liked, you know, when he first came in, I thought he's a, a promising player. I think that he's more than proven out to be a value as an undrafted player that they added. But I also think it's time has come. I think it, it's time to turn over the roster, get someone younger in there that can potentially develop and have higher ceiling than Mike Morgan. But again, in order to do that, the way this guy sticks around is special teams. So you better be better on special teams than some of these other players if you want to make the roster. So those are your rushers. Those are your tacklers. And tomorrow we'll be back. And I think we'll probably cover the Legion of Boom and their young Legionnaires. So with that, I will bid you adieu. Have a great Wednesday, and as always, go Hawks. Take care, everybody.